Ooh, what would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend Phil Vecchio and on this episode we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 12 of Family Ties. This episode is titled Nothing But a Man and it originally aired on January 2nd, 1986. And with me as always to discuss this episode is my very special co-host Keith. Phil, how are you doing? I am good, how are you? I am excellent and I'm super excited for 1986. I know. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. January 2nd. They didn't mess around. Like, they just jumped right in. Oh, yeah. That's really crazy when you actually say that because it didn't register in my brain. But they burn episodes at weird times on this show. Right? Like, I feel like there's not new shows until like a couple weeks into January at least. Oh, easy. Easy. I mean, this is the day after the horrible Rose Parade. Oof. Did you ever go to the Rose Parade? No. I hate parades. I am not a huge parade fan myself, but my grandparents, you know, lived in Pasadena. My parents grew up in Pasadena in the area around there. I lived in Pasadena for the first few years of my life. And so one year we actually did go to the Rose Parade and like camped out by the side of the road and watched it live. And it was horrible, and I'll never do it again. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds miserable, because not only do you camp out, and it's cold. January in Pasadena is not comfortable. I mean, it's not like, you know, Milwaukee cold or something, but... Yeah, but on the cement on the side of the road, on the sidewalk, it's not great. No. And then when your reward is the Rose Parade? Ugh. I mean, like, I liked it as a kid, like, watching it on TV as you're eating, like, cereal or something, but it wasn't like a... Must do. I'm, you know, when we go to Disneyland or whatever, the parades are a great chance to get on the rides that are normally more crowded to me, you know? <laughs> Always my thought. Always my thought. I broke Heidi's heart when they brought back the Main Street Electric Parade because we went to Disney. It was like the last couple of days that they were doing that parade. And it, it was here just a few years ago. I mean, just pre-COVID. And we, as we go to Disneyland, they do the parade twice. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's just push our, you know, we'll show up right at the last second. We'll sneak in. We'll get a great seat. It'll be fine. Well, <laughs> the, that didn't work out so well. So I said, okay, we got a second <laughs> chance. She, if we get there, we're, I'm like, oh, let's just go ride one more ride before we go. And she said, okay. So we did. It's the second parade. It's like 1030 at night. They're getting ready to do that last parade. We we get in and it's like, wah, wah. there's no seats, nothing. And I look over at her and she started crying and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst husband ever. So I see like right in the middle um, over by uh, where the princesses will have breakfast and stuff with you. Not on the carnation side of Main Street, but the other side, there's all these seats set up right in the middle by like the Walt and Mickey statue. And I walked over to the lady and I'm like, hey. Is there, like, how do you get in here? Is there, like, a ticket? Can I still buy some? I said, my wife really wants to see this parade, and this seems like a great seat. And the lady's like, oh, we set this up for, you know, kids with special needs and blah, blah, blah. But she's like, you know, we don't really have that many of them, you know, of of the people who signed up to be here. So she's like, we have extra seats. Do you want to come sit down? And I go, yes, we absolutely do. (laughs) We got front row seats. Right for the parade, you got to see everything, the little bugs that, you know, spin around and everything came right up to us. Perfect. I was husband of the year. Oh, man, that's good stuff. That's that's Disney magic right there. It is. I went from zero to hero. See, to me, the best way to watch a parade is walking past it on your way to something because you can see the stuff. Oh, yeah. But you don't have to, like, camp out or whatever. You go, oh, look, there it is. And you're walking by. Maybe you have to wait for the crosswalk to get across in between floats, and you see stuff while you're standing there. Yes. That's great. That's that's about how much that I actually care to see in it. 100%. But I know people are really crazy about them. Yeah. Heidi Twisted, my girls, they love the parade now, too. And it's like, oh, oh man. <laughs> Terrible. I do like the the electrical light parade. Like, the music is fun. I always enjoyed that that part of it. But, again... I don't need to, like, sit in one place for it. I can hear that as I'm walking around. Oh, yeah. The first 10 or 15 minutes are fine. But when you get to, like, minute 30, that's when you're just like, okay, (laughs) this is terrible. I've seen enough. (laughs) (laughs) So at the Rose Parade, we camped out overnight at, you know, on the sidewalk. And when we got up in the morning, 
some people had come and like set up chairs in front of where we were asleep. Oh, and like we're blocking our view. So that was terrible. And there was like heated words amongst the parents. I mean, I was like, I don't know, 10 or something. So I, I was involved in it, but there were heated words. And eventually we still were blocked behind the people. So I don't know how that went down. And then, so, you know, the Rose Parade is this big thing on New Year's and all the floats are like real tall. You know, they got a giraffe or whatever. And there's, you know, like almost like animatronics and they move around and stuff. Right. So we didn't know this. But the place we had picked to camp out was, like, right before an overpass. And apparently, in order to get through the overpass, the floats all have to fold up and close down to go under the overpass. Oh. So the spot that we were at is right after they had all shut down and folded up to go past us. So we didn't even get to see them all out and moving and stuff. Oh, my gosh. And my parents were like, terrible. we're never doing this again. <laughs> oh, that's miserable. Yeah. Dang. That's our parade. And... All of that because this episode aired on January 2nd, 1986. <laughs> the day after a horrible event. That's right. Oh, boy. You said you had some fun information about 1986. What did you find out for us? I do. So there was quite a few things that actually took place in 1986. Not a lot of good things either, unfortunately. 1986 was a rough year. One of the bright spots was uh, Haley's Comet. It was the second appearance in Haley's Comet in the 20th century. Do you remember Haley's Comet at all? Were you I do. Enough? I remember that was like a big deal. It was a big deal because you could like see it with the naked eye. You could go to the planetariums and they were like, you know, making a big deal about the comet. And because it's a very big comet, I guess, with a long tail. And they, yeah. I think they figured out like, you know, some of what the tail was made out of because they were able to get a sample of it somehow. And I remember all our teachers saying, like, oh, you know, you'll never see this again, even if you. You know, live to be a hundred or whatever. You know, like it's, there's no chance that you're gonna see this again. So this is the only time in your life. Yeah, because I think it doesn't come back until like 2075 or something. Maybe later. I can't remember. But fun fact: on this day in history, Chernobyl took place in Russia. Oh wow! Yeah, literally April 26th, 1986. That's not great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also have the space shuttle Challenger event that took place in january oh that yeah year. Uh, when we watched that live in our classrooms at school that wasn't traumatizing no and i was thinking of that like i remember uh, a local newscaster from the channel 4 news we were watching that coverage from our classroom and it was kent shockneck and uh he was talking about that disaster and the teacher was like going to turn off the tv and everybody's like no no like w- what happened like we need to talk about you know we need to see this and so we ended up watching TV, I want to say, for probably a good half an hour or so after the event. Man. It was also the uh, debut of Mad Cow Disease. <laughs> wow, this is quite a year. Yeah. Uh, well, here's a bright spot for you. Um, Oprah debuted her uh, talk show. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Argentina won the World Cup in Mexico for uh, the World Cup. That's a soccer uh, football uh, I have heard countries. of that, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, the average price for a Tandy 600 computer was $1,599. That's that's a lot of money for something that's like a little larger than a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you want to know what the best picture was in 1986? Yes. Platoon. Okay. Yeah. That was, I've seen that. Yeah, best intense. picture, best director uh, was Platoon and Oliver Stone. The best actor was Paul Newman for The Color of Money. Color of Money, right? Yep. Yeah. Best actress was Marley Matlin. Do you know what what that would have been from? Children of a Lesser God. 100%. Great job. Yeah. Best supporting actor was Michael Caine. And the best supporting actress was Diane Weist from the same movie. It was a Woody Allen film. Oh, okay. I don't know that one. Hannah and Her Sisters. Huh. So there's a little uh, 1986 in a nutshell for you. Well, I did at least grab, speaking of movies, just a list of some like of the awesome movies that came out that year. Because it might not have been good for world events, but there were some spectacular movies that came out. I mean, first of all, the ones you mentioned, of course. Tom Cruise had a really good year, though, because he also put out Top Gun. Ooh. So, you know. That was, that was 1986? But also... In fantastic movies of that year, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, Crocodile Dundee came out that year. Karate Kid Part 2. Stand By Me. 
Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield and Robert Downey Jr. was in that one. Wow. An American Tale in the animated world. Oh. Which was pretty great. Yeah. Three Amigos. Oh, Old time, like, ultimate classic. Flight of the Navigator, Short Circuit, and The Money Pit with Tom Hanks. Man, those are great movies. Yeah, it was a great year. A great year for movies. So, maybe not so much for the other world events, but... Well, welcome to 1986. Now, I actually do have, before we jump into this episode, a little bit more business to cover. We have some things from some listeners, kind of some mail, although don't get too excited, but just a couple things I had to bring up here. First of all, in our Alex B. Keaton is my friend, the group on Facebook, I posted a picture we talked about last time. How you and I had done some extra and crowd work and stuff, audience yes. work and various TV shows. So I post a little snapshot from my one of my audience appearances in the Roseanne Bar talk show. I think it was just called the Roseanne Show. So just as proof, you know, that I wasn't just making it up, I found that. Right. And underneath that, a listener and friend of the show, Julia, posted a link to something that she was involved with. And this is pretty amazing. There's like a whole... I don't know, like reality show slash documentary about her and her husband getting married in China and like, but it's in, it's in Chinese, but Janelle actually watched the whole thing and was able to understand and follow along with a lot of what happened. She is well versed in reality show, you know, (laughs) style. So that probably helped a little bit, but um, some really interesting, cool stuff. So if you're out there listening, Julia, we'd love to hear more about that from you because that was really cool. Like, how did that come about like how did they ask you to do that any fun behind the scenes stories because it's pretty cool and if you other listeners haven't seen it yet just look for the picture of me in a yellow shirt from like 2002 and julia's comments down below have the link to the video nice i'm actually looking at it right now i found it now you also found a picture of you and maybe even like a youtube video of you as in in power rangers uh next to the green ranger if i'm not mistaken yeah he's the one on the right i'm the one in the middle and there's another extra on the far left so you're gonna post a picture maybe a link to that something in the group as well yes i will figure out how to how to post that from youtube (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic and then one other thing that did come into our email, and I'd just like to remind listeners at home, if you'd like to write to us, you can write to us at alexpkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. I will just read this out to you here. Okay. This is just a, a friendly reminder from uh, the show that you can write to us, of course. It's a correction from me, Phil Vecchio. <laughs> It says, in your most recent episode, you incorrectly stated that the NES released in North America in 1986. The correct year was 1985. Do better next time. Yourself, (laughs) Phil. (laughs) I like that you corrected yourself, but you made sure to do it, uh, you know, here on the show. So I appreciate that. Well, I wanted to put it, do a correction. I was embarrassed when I like listened back to it and realized I said the wrong year. And I was like, I got to make sure. And I knew I would not remember to do it on the show if I didn't write to ourselves. So I thought I'd just write to ourselves. Just so you guys know that we do our due diligence here on Alex Bikini is my friend. And we do our best to give you the best information available. We try to bring you all the hot topics and the timely events from 1985. (laughs) So that was from last episode, 1985. Now we're on 1986. We're all straightened out. It's all good. Phew, I feel like uh, a weight's been lifted. I still stand by my 1987 is when I got my NES, though. I think that was correct still. Yeah, so I'm going to my parents' house this weekend, and my parents are really good, my mom especially, at uh, cataloging photos. And I know that it was the NES was the gift that we all got, all of us boys, because uh, I have two brothers. We got it for a Christmas, and so I am going to look up when we got ours, and hopefully I can report back to when we got it, what year we got ours. Excellent. Yes, I would like to hear about that. I can tell you what games we got, too, maybe, because, again, my mom was a great uh, photographer and cataloger of photos. So That's awesome. Yep. If it wasn't for uh, photos being online now and like having a date and timestamp, I would not be able to tell you when a photo was from. Yeah, that is very helpful at their timestamp. <laughs> that trait did not translate for us. I know. Janelle's one of those types that, like, 
you'll say like, oh, when did this happen? And she'll say, oh, this is when it happened. And I remember this picture was taken. And then she can go through her, you know, catalog and find exactly the picture she was referring to. And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. That's a gift. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Memory. And I can never get away with anything, you know. No. No, you, that's why you have to uh, use fill logic on everything. That's right. <laughs> if I can't remember it, I can at least argue my way out of it. Well, there is one more piece of business because in the last episode, we also spoke about Tales from the Apartment and then we didn't give the people what they want. So hopefully oh at the goodness. end of the episode, I do have two notes on a couple of stories that maybe we can get you to talk about. Okay. As long as we can kind of be succinct through this episode. I think we can. This was a good episode, but also had a very straightforward plot. Yep. Not too many twists and turns. So I think it may be a succinct episode. With that in mind, let's jump into this episode of Family Ties now uh, <laughs> several minutes into our show here. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, we had some business to take care of. We did. Important business. Right. Parade business. Sha la la la! So we open up in, of all places, the Keaton kitchen. <gasps> That's right, the family is in there, and Ellen and Mallory are just returned from the mall, and they're talking about all the clothes that they bought. And uh, Elise is like, I thought you were going to get school supplies. She's like, they all, they ran all out of school supplies. <laughs> yeah, the <truck laughs> and Alex is like, down. yeah, I heard about that, you know. <laughs> anyway, they come in and, you know, Mallory's mostly bought clothes, but Ellen bought a present for Andrew. And this is funny because the title of the episode, as we mentioned earlier, is Nothing But a Man. Mm-hmm. And... We set up this thing at the very beginning here. You know, Ellen brings this a present for Andrew. It's a doll, and it's a girl doll. Um, I believe her name was Susie. Sassy Susie. Sassy that's the Susie, name. That's it. Sassy Susie. And Alex is appalled. He's like, oh, that's a toy for a girl. You can't give it to him. And, and Ellen, like, calls him out on it. And he's like, Alex, that's like... You know, that's sexist. Like, you don't want to have him, like, get all these hang-ups about, like, roles of, of genders and stuff. And Alex is like, I have those hang-ups and I'm fine. <laughs> and it's, you know, first of all, like, you know, very topical for now even, that kind of discussion about that. And then I thought that was going to be, like, the premise of the whole show because it's called Nothing But a Man and he's talking about a man's role. And that was, like, a way, wound up being way in the background B story of this episode. Yeah, definitely. In fact, it kind of trails off, like, halfway through the episode, <laughs> which was, I thought it was interesting. I, it never kind of came back. Later on, just kind of skipping ahead to the B story, uh, there's a scene where Andy, they find out that Andrew, like, loves the doll, and Alex is real upset about it. He's, in fact, he's afraid of the doll, and Mallory scares him <laughs> away with it, and you know, Ellen like lectures him about, you know, remember when we went to this women's studies class and he's all embarrassed. She's like, what did you learn? And he's like, avoid sexual stereotypes. Women are equals. Dolls are for girls. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. (laughs) So that's it. That's the end of that, that B story is that one little bit there. So we covered the B story first. So now we can get to the main story, which is Steven comes in and we find out uh, Jennifer's helping him get dressed for a job interview and he is trying out. He's trying out. He's auditioning. We're, we've been talking about TV shows, <laughs> interviewing. Right. That's what it is. What's it when you're trying to get a job, but it's not just a pretend job? Oh yeah, interviewing. I don't know because I think he was auditioning too at uh, one point after his interview when he was sitting there. That's true. That's true. He was he was acting quite a bit. So <laughs> there was a good bit of pantomime. <laughs> so he's interviewing for the Midwest Regional Manager for PBS. It's a big promotion for him. It will include more money, as Alex points out. But it's not just about the money. It's about the ability to make artistic decisions. But, of course, all Alex cares about is that there's more money. Right. So this is this kind of a big deal. This is We find out something that he's always dreamed about. And so we go to the TV station. And guess who's there? Everybody's favorite, Gus. Gus. Oh. We haven't seen since, like, Andrew was born. Yeah, back when uh, they did the telethon and Elise was pregnant, right? Yeah. Oh. Like, this is this has been a, a long time, and I love Gus. He's so fun and funny. He was just a crack-up, like, Stephen was stressing out about if he's going to get the job, and Gus is like, oh, yeah, yeah it's going to be you, or, or maybe Peterson. Peterson's really good. He's like, what? No, 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 I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. 
oh, but you know, then again, there is Broadnecks too. He's really great. And he's like, what? Oh, I thought you And he's like, I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you. I also like that Broadnecks is a name. Is that a real name? Well, apparently it is in this show. Anyway, Steven is pacing around. He's stressed about the job. And eventually the boss comes in and his name is Justin. Justin Phillips. And he comes in and he's like, Steven, how'd you like to be the regional manager? And Steven's like, are you kidding? He's like, yes, I'm kidding. And, and Steven's like, oh, no. Wait, are you kidding now? Yes, I'm kidding now. Oh, I got the job. He's real excited about it. <laughs> the boss says, oh, you want to let's go out and have dinner and celebrate. And Steven's like, oh, I, I can't. I have dinner with my family, but I'll, I'll set up a time for them You know, later this week that I can come out and do it with you. So the boss takes off. Gus comes back in and celebrates by giving Steven a T-shirt that says, congratulations, Keaton, on it. And then... <laughs> On the back side of the shirt, it says, congratulations, Peterson. (laughs) So just in case, Peterson got the job instead. Oh, that was awesome. (laughs) So I love Gus. Man, there's not enough Gus. We need it. Like, that should have been a spinoff show. It's just Gus at the TV studio. Oh, that would have been a great show. Oh, running the day to day stuff at PBS. Yes. Oh, I bet that would have been such a good show. Well, anyway, back at the house, after the, the interview, we found out that he's got the job. That's when the, the doll scene takes place. And I forgot one more part with the doll. As Mallory is torturing Alex with the doll, Skippy shows up for a fantastic Skippy scene. Oh, Skippy. He comes in and he recognizes the sassy Susie doll. And he's like, oh, I had one of those as a kid. And Alex is like, see? See, you guys proved my point. <laughs> and... <laughs> We find out that Skippy had the whole collection, Wonderful Wendy, Perky Patty, and Easy Edna, apparently, <laughs> was the rest of the, the series there. Oh, yeah. It's a good <laughs> thing they didn't keep going with uh, D and... <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> they went far enough. <laughs> right. Easy Edna, I feel like, is... <sighs> that's a good place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, Alex tries to bribe uh, Skippy to take the doll with him. He says he'll give him 10 bucks and we'll take the doll. And Skippy's like, well, I'm too old for dolls, but I'll take the 10 bucks. <laughs> and then he runs out. And then what runs out. That's our. That's pretty much our Skippy for the episode, but it was great. Great oh, Skippy. Good Skippy. So then we find out that Steven is just, you know, he's dived into this job, and it's obviously starting to take over more and more of his time. We're several days into the job, and he hasn't even been able to do the dinner with his family to celebrate. Elise has got a, a reservation at Guido's for them to celebrate, and Stephen looks like he's going to have to back out. Even when he gets home, and he says, yes, I'll come, the phone rings, and Justin's on the other line. He's got more stuff he's got to deal with. So we've got a classic, you know, workaholic parent. And if I'm not mistaken, we had a whole episode where Elise was the workaholic, but it was with her architecture job is that am i like making this up in my mind no you're 100 right and remember they were kind of talking about some of the same jokes like oh does mommy even live here anymore and yeah you know we only see her for a few minutes a day and and it was jennifer that had like the big issue with at least not being there yeah because she was trying to go to a dance or something and then she needed oh no maybe it was Elise was supposed to make something for her maybe a scarf or a sweater yeah. or something. And then because Elise was working too much, she couldn't do it. So Jennifer was all upset with her. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. Very similar type of a story here. Yep. And in fact, Jennifer is the one that says, does dad still live here? And Elise is like, well, he's still using it as a mailing address, honey. <laughs> and then when Steven does come in, he's like, hey, any mail for me? <laughs> <laughs> Just the bills. You know what it's like to be an adult. Yeah, I know. The mail is so rarely fun anymore. Unless you're like ordering something from online, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's never good news anymore. The problem continues to escalate. Steven comes in and, you know, already he's talking about how he's going to be too busy that evening. Then the phone rings and it's Justin on the phone again with more issues. Elise is coming over, like trying to talk to him while he's on the phone. And Steven straight up shushes Elise. Oh, yeah. Which is like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, he, this is where he crosses the line, you know. Yes. But then Alex jumps in to defend him, and he's like, you guys, you know, Dad's a busy man. And he pulls out, like, an appointment book, and he's like, I can get you guys in to talk with him. We just need to set up an appointment for him. <laughs> so he sets up an appointment for Jennifer to talk with him at 2.30 a.m. <laughs> right. And she's like, oh, I'll take it. And he's Aww. like, have you been up to see Dad before, you know? <laughs> 
Is this your first appointment? Alex is just like loving it because dad's making more money and he gets to, you know, be the gatekeeper. But everyone's starting to feel, you know, Steven's not around so much. And we find out uh, from the phone call that Steven is going to have to go on a trip. He's going to have to go away for a few days, Mm -hmm. which is just adding insult to injury. So the next scene we've got, we actually get an exterior shot of Washington, D.C., which was exciting. That's the Capitol building, I think, right? I think so, yeah. Down, like, the street towards the Capitol. Yeah. And then we have a hotel room set, which was... I'm, I'm wondering if it was the same type of one that we had, like, when they went, you know, Elise had a gambling problem. Yes. We've had a few other hotel episodes before. It did look very similar. Incidentally, Stephen had four outfits hanging in the closet. <laughs> so... He was planning on being there for at least four days, apparently. Well, I guess minimum, even if he had to wear a suit to one event and maybe a different suit for like a dinner or a fundraising type event for the evening, even then, I mean, you're still looking at a couple of days. When you go to a hotel, do you unpack clothes into a drawer and into the closet? So, into a drawer? No. If I do have to take, you know, like fancier clothes... Yes, I will hang them up in the closet, and then I'll also, like, if I have to iron them or just kind of run a press on it just to kind of clean them up a little bit. When we went to Florida for a trade show just before COVID, it was uh, 2019, we had a fancy dinner where you had to wear a suit to go to dinner. And so Mm. I did have to hang clothes in the closet. Typically, I don't. I live out of a, a suitcase or a bag or whatever. Well, and that, I guess a business trip is different than like a vacation. Yeah, because a swimsuit and shorts, you don't have to uh, hang up. Right, we're t-shirts and whatever. Like we don't ever unpack out of a suitcase, other than like the clothes that you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, because it's so much work, especially if you're only going to be there for a couple of days. I mean, I guess if you were there for a week, like. But when we go to Hawaii and we stay in a timeshare, like we're not, we don't even unpack into the drawers then. Because what again? What's the point if you're just. If you're wearing shorts and a t-shirt, I don't see why. Yeah, every day. But my brother, like, when he like he came out and joined us on this last trip that we did. And he stayed for two nights with us. And he unpacked into the drawer for two nights. And this is, you know, shorts and t-shirt type weather. And he unpacked into a drawer. He likes to unpack. Huh. Well, I guess if, so, you know, that makes you more comfortable, then why not? I guess so. That's hmm. definitely not my style, but I understand some people do. Yeah. I mean, it's not my style, but if you want to be wrong, that's fine. Go ahead. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) How about you listeners? Do you guys unpack when you go to a hotel? What's the length of time you have to be there in order to feel like you should unpack? Yep. Write to us at alexbeheatonismyfriend at gmail.com and let us know. Inquiring minds want to know. That's right. So, while Steven's there in the hotel room, we have Andrew, the server, room service guy, I guess, comes in and brings him food. Mm -hmm. And he has some... uh, some revealing dialogue about his relationship with his family. <laughs> and we'll talk about it in the guest stars, but we may have seen Andrew, the server guy, before. I think I know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> then the boss comes in. Justin comes in to, like, meet with Steven. And Steven um, has set up, like, around his room service food, he set up, like, pictures of the family out of, uh, out of his wallet, you know. <laughs> and... The Justin comes in. He's like, oh, nice looking family, Steve. Is that yours? <laughs> <laughs> Which I love that question because why would he have someone else's family in front of him? Well, and did you notice when he came in, he didn't knock or anything. He just comes barreling in the room like a wrecking ball. Yeah, and Steve's like, oh, come on in. Like, what if he was getting dressed or something? <laughs> yeah. Just, just walk in. And this must have been a long time ago when hotel doors didn't automatically lock. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> also, I love that when he's pulling out and showing the pictures to Justin, that he's got Skippy's picture in there. <laughs> he's like, he keeps sticking this picture in my wallet. <laughs> I'll take it in there again. <laughs> he takes it out and throws it on the table. <laughs> oh. See, even when Skippy's not in the scene, he's, his spirit is there. Oh. His spirit lives on. So Steven and, J- and Justin start talking about the job and through a very like on the nose conversation, Justin reveals that a part of being someone like him is, you know, working a job and not being able to be around the family. And, you know, you're away for a while and they get used to it and you get used to it. But the most important thing is you love your job. Right. And Steven clearly is hearing this and realizing that this is not the thing that he wants to be doing. Mm-hmm. So the next scene we're back in the Keaton's kitchen. Alex is up late reading a book and Steven comes in early from the trip. 
Alex is up. <laughs> Stephen's like, what are you doing up so late? And Alex is like, oh, I was just reading this book, Vector Calculus, The Untold Story. <laughs> and it was so good, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so (laughs) (laughs) it sounds fascinating i know it's just just exactly what alex would be reading i love it yep so steven reveals to alex that he is not he's gonna go back to his old job he's turning down the promotion alex of course is like dad you know why are you gonna do this like this is a big deal and you're gonna make more money and you know steven's like well you know there's more to life than just money and power and alex is like like what? Give me an example. You know? <laughs> anyway, Stephen, you know, just confirms he's definitely going to do this. Then Elise comes in and he tells Elise and she wants to make sure that he's not doing it just to, you know, for to, for them that she supports his dreams. And he's like, oh, everything that I love is in this house right here. Meanwhile, Jennifer and Mallory come in. I guess Andy woke them up by crying and they come into the kitchen and they're very sleepy. I like their sleepy act. Apparently, when you're asleep, you don't understand basic words. <laughs> exactly. But they're like, oh, is this dad home, like, here in our kitchen? And and he reveals to everyone, you know, that he's going to be home for good now. And the kids all go to bed. Alex walks out, and Steven's like, Alex, you know, don't blame yourself. You did your best with me. And everyone's just happy that Steven's home. And uh, Elise says, uh, you know... Come on, I'll carry you upstairs because that's what Steven said he wants is someone to carry him up to bed. And they hug, and that's our freeze frame. That's the end of the episode. Oh, everything's happy, right? Everything's back to normal again, where it belongs. It's great. That's the episode. So, Steven apparently didn't learn from when Elise was a workaholic and had to learn that lesson on his own. Well, sometimes you got to go through life and learn the hard way, you know? You've got to experience it for yourself to really understand it and feel it. It was good. It was a good episode. It was it was funny and, you know, I mean, dealt with some serious stuff, but it wasn't like too heavy-handed or anything. It was good. A little bit of a palate cleanser after the uh, that happy-go-lucky Christmas episode we finished. Exactly. <laughs> it was nice. I mean, it's telling that a dad being absent from his family and realizing he's a workaholic is the lighthearted palate cleanser, but that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Sha-la-la-la! Well, in the interest of expedience, let's jump straight into our guest stars. So many great guest stars. Of course, we had like some of our regulars, you know, Skippy was in it, but Ellen was in it again. I'm not going to go through all of her filmography, but just so you know the count here, this is the fifth episode that we've had Ellen, only five. Wow. And there's still eight more to go. Only eight? We're not quite halfway through the Ellen still. That's crazy. I know. It feels like there's been so much more, but they've kind of spread it out. And they've talked about Ellen and stuff that she's not in. So yeah, kind of stretches it out, you know. No, they definitely have talked about her. So they keep her memory alive. So then also we had another returning uh, actor, of course, which was Gus <sighs> Thompson, played by John Hancock. This is the fourth. This is only the fourth episode we've had of Gus. Really? Which is crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's because, uh, so the double episode for uh, when Elise gave birth, I think they only count that as one episode for him, right? No, that's counting that as two. Oh, what? He was only in one episode before that, 1983, not an affair to remember, the one where, uh, the Judith Light episode. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, that was the first one. This is the fourth one. We still do have three more Gus episodes. So, not enough. Is he, is he still Gus in the other three episodes? He's still Gus, oh, yes. Good. Three more okay. episodes with John Hancock as Gus. And they're spread out, like 87 and then 89. So it's, you know, little Gus here and there. Nice. Just we a should sprinkle have had more of Gus. Gus. <laughs> Just a sprinkle of Gus. <laughs> so then we had another returning actor, which was Andrew the Waiter, played by Robert Costanzo. Yeah, You said you recognized him. Do you remember what he was from? So was he the one who was in the funeral episode? And then I think he's also been a waiter at the restaurant before. No, this is a different guy. I know who you're talking about, but this is a different guy. Oh, my god! He did have a pretty good role in it. Oh, he was the shoe sales, uh, the shoe store guy. No, no. Also a good guess. But no, he only, he had a smaller role, but a memorable one. He was in the episode Help Wanted. 
which is uh, when we had Gina Davis come into the show, he auditioned, or auditioned, there I am again, he interviewed <laughs> to be a, the nanny. Oh, that's right. But he was the one who was kind of like... Uh, yeah, like real rough and tough. Yeah, I'll, I'll take care of the kids. I'm real great with kids. You know, that guy. <laughs> yeah. That was him. Can you call my probation officer? Yeah, exactly. That So that was his episode. He played the character, and that was Max Schneider, so a different character. But that same actor, Robert Costanzo. Man. And here I thought I knew who he was. He, he has a similar vibe to the other guy. I know exactly who you're talking about. He was like the manager at the restaurant when it was like a nightclub, that guy. Yes. Different, different actor, but similar kind of vibe there. All right. Well, so this is obviously episode two then for Mr. Costanzo, right? This is. And it's the second one out of five. Oh, dang. But he's a different actor, a different character in each episode. So we're not going to have... Uh, Andrew the Waiter again. <laughs> well, do we get any more Mr. Costanzo this season? Well, there is. there are two more in 1986, but it could be beginning of next season or end of this one. I'm not sure. Gotcha. So we'll have to keep our fingers crossed and see if we can spot him again. So, again, because we've covered these folks before, I'm not going through their filmographies, but we did have one additional guest star who uh, this is their first time that they've been on Family Ties. Justin Phillips, the boss, played by an actor named George Coe. And he has 134 acting credits. He's been in, like, tons and tons and tons of stuff. Did you recognize him from anything? I didn't. He didn't look super familiar to me. So that means he was probably, like, on the circuit for, like, The Love Boat, Fantasy Island, that kind of stuff. Definitely. I mean, lots of stuff like Columbo, Remington Steel, Matlock, uh, Murder, She Wrote, et cetera, et cetera. Tons. I mean, again, over 100. He also did a couple uh, of movies. The most significant was he was in The Mighty Ducks, the original one. Oh, wow. Uh, He was the judge, um, which, I mean, not like a huge role, but, you know, still significant. Judge Weathers. But then the other thing, the thing that I actually did recognize him from is he was relatively recently in a couple of episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. Oh, interesting. That that's I recognize him from that. I mean, it's not like a huge role, but we just recently watched that, so it was like, you know, fresh in my mind. Huh. How old is he? Pretty old. I didn't I don't have it in front of me, but I okay. mean, he was acting all the way back in like the 70s. Oh. And he's still like I think he had a couple things in production like this year, so he's still going. Wow. That's a great career. But, unfortunately, this... Well, I guess fortunately for the Keatons, unfortunately for us, this is his only appearance on Family Ties. Oh, so I guess Steven never gets uh, back into that job. No, he stuck with his guns, and he he did not go back to that job. So that's uh, good. It's good for the Keatons. Yeah, it is. And Justin had an <laughs> uncanny sense of knowing exactly when Steven walked through the door, so he knew when to ring him. On the phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and also he had an uncanny sense of walking in on Stephen at awkward times, <laughs> both at the hotel, like you said, and when Stephen was like pantomiming what he was going to say when he got the job. So maybe he's <laughs> like, uh, maybe that was the spinoff is like a psychic PBS boss, you know? <laughs> Ooh, PBS boss psychic. But he's only like mildly psychic, that whole thing. <laughs> he can't really tell the future, but he does know when someone's about to walk in the door. <laughs> he knows when something's really awkward, so. Yeah, or <laughs> he's awkward like, perfect. things are happening. Now's my time. <laughs> it's my time to shine. <laughs> That'd be a terrible psychic gift to get. It would. Probably not the best premise for a spinoff. I think the Gus spinoff is our best option there. So far, movie. yeah. That's almost like yeah. uh, being an X-Men in your powers, like being able to make the lights uh, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There was a... What was it? One of those, like... It was like a kid spoof one. I think it was called Zoom, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was like super high school or something like that. I don't know. There was a few of them that came out like in the early 2000s and one of the kids in the high school, his special superpower was that he could glow in the dark. Oh, yeah. High school high. <laughs> high school high. No. Sky, that's sky the spoof high. with sky John high. Lovitz. Sky high. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With Kurt Russell. Anyway, I just thought, I just thought that was funny. With Kurt Russell, yes. Oh, that was such a great movie. I love that one. I just thought that was a really funny, like, he just can glow in the dark. It's <laughs> only helpful when it's like, you know, they don't have a flashlight Ever? with them. Yeah. <laughs> or what about the one who could turn herself into, like, a pink uh, uh, or purple? Um, 
like a gerbil or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guinea pig. <laughs> Here, you can crawl through this little uh, hole. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> so now we know the slightly psychic PBS manager could have been a good addition to the team, you know? <laughs> slightly psychic. Oh, that's perfect. I like that. It's actually a good name. Yeah, it is. Man. You should write for Trademark. <laughs> I should. <laughs> Slightly psychic. Man, I kind of like that. Now I want to like write a thing about that. <laughs> oh, treatment. All right. Well, if Slightly Psychic comes to a theater near you um, anytime soon, you'll know it started on this episode. So. That's right. Here, document it. <laughs> this is the origin story. <laughs> Slightly psychic. <laughs> when your superpowers bust. Slightly psychic. And then, like, the sequel, because it did really well, would be about when he gets, like, a helper that kind of goes along as an adventures, and it could be slightly sidekick. <laughs> oh, I knew where you were going with that, and I love it. <laughs> I want to watch Got it. a whole franchise Put here. it on my TV right now. <laughs> All right. This is happening. Slightly sidekick and slightly psychic. It's <laughs> good. I guess it would have to be called Slightly Psychic 2, Slightly Sidekick. That's the full title. <laughs> Slightly That's not difficult to say at all. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> I don't want to see them have to put it up on like the, on the, what do you call it? The thing out in front of the movie theater. Oh, the marquee. The marquee. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Slightly Psychic 2. Slightly Psychic 2. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's when you can charge a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yikes. He always knows when a phone's about to die, so, you know, <laughs> you don't get awkwardly cut off in a conversation. <laughs> He's all fixed it. <laughs> There's all kinds of great applications for these powers, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, your power tool's about to die. I'm here to help. <laughs> All right. I think we got a hit on our hands here. <laughs> I think so. I can't wait to get to work on this one. Sha-la-la-la. Well, there any great jokes or anything in this episode? Any other things you wanted to mention? To go back to the time when uh, Alex was scheduling appointments for the family to see Dad, there's a point when Elise steps in and she kisses Stephen and Alex walks around the corner and he's like, <laughs> hey, 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 no, no bothering Dad. Your appointment's tomorrow. <laughs> there's another good scene with Alex and Jennifer, which I love that combination. Uh, they are just yeah. perfect together. And uh, he's telling her about her preteen drivel. Dad doesn't have time for that. She looks at him and just deadpan. Well, as long as you're here for me, Alex, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was great delivery. Yeah. Absolutely. And they just like, they stayed on the two characters just staring at each other after <laughs> she dropped that line. Oh, it was beautiful. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got that uh, you didn't already say before, but man, that two-sided shirt. I knew it was coming and I laughed hard. <laughs> It was fantastic. Yeah, Tessa's all dad. Why are you laughing? And I'm all wait. He's gonna turn the shirt around, and sure enough. <laughs> well, and you knew because you were slightly psychic. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, that would make Tessa my slightly sidekick because. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Sha la la la. Okay, two other filmmaking observations here, or television making observations. Ooh, yeah. One, I don't, I'm wondering if this was in the streaming version, because on the DVD, when uh, it's at the end of the episode, they're in the kitchen, and Jennifer is like, you know, dubious whether or not Steven's really there at the house. And she says something like, Dad's really here. And she says, In our kitchen? Does that ring a bell? You remember that part? No. Well, I mean, I remember like. That whole thing with her and Mallory talking about Steven still being there at 3.30 in the morning. So there's a part there when she says, in our kitchen, and she clearly said something else, but they dubbed over it, and it said, our kitchen. Ooh, I didn't watch her and mouth I, at that point. I went back and, like, rewound it a couple times, and Janelle and I were trying to figure out what she really said. Ooh, interesting. And it could have been that she said, like, in our home and then kitchen, but kind of, like, mixed them together, and they just dubbed it over so it didn't have a mistake in there. Interesting. Or it could have been like a totally different word. It was tough to tell. So 
I don't know if that's in the streaming version or not, but it was definitely dubbed over on our DVD version. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. That's, oh, I'm curious now. And then also in that same scene, in the kitchen scene a little bit earlier, Alex and Steven are talking before the rest of the family comes in. And they're like kind of up against the sink on the left side. Steven's like leaning up against the wall by the sink. And he's got like a a big glass. I don't know, he poured himself a glass of something and he's holding it in his hand. And you can clearly see that it's like, you know, up one hand is down to his side. The other hand is up holding it. And you can see liquid in it from the top. And then it cuts over to Alex who says something and immediately comes, cuts back to Steven and Steven's arms are crossed and no cup is in sight. Oh, wow. So he set it down in the nanosecond they went to Alex? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or they missed Or it. we have what we know as a continuity error. That's uh. probably... Edit. Probably it there. <laughs> but I just thought interesting in that one scene, they must have had a hard time with that scene because there was two real obvious errors in there. Yeah, that's interesting. That, uh, and that was slipped through. With just Steven and Alex, uh, I wonder if they cracked each other up or something too many times. And so that's when they had to redo it. I don't know. I mean, it was such a short little thing. I don't know. They definitely had to shoot it at different times. So Yeah. Well, that's I yeah. I think I pulled probably two or three quotes out. You know, that could be a good life lesson. I didn't use them, but I, I kept those quotes because they mean a lot. <laughs> you know, they're very smart quotes. But I also noticed in the scene, why do the kids come downstairs, they go into the kitchen, and the first thing they do is go open the fridge? I know. I know. And Stephen came in at like 3 o'clock in the morning, and he goes and makes himself... I don't know, he gets out crackers or something, and then he and Elise are eating crackers. Yeah. Jennifer goes to the fridge, opens it, turns around, looks, and then she closes the fridge door. And I'm like, wait, what? why are you going to the fridge at 3.30 in the morning? Like, <laughs> I don't know. You're going to get some orange juice, maybe? Yeah, and Steven opened a brand new thing of milk, too, to get ready for himself there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I've never had a late night snack, but the Keatons eat late at night a lot more than... I would think, you know, is normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alex is always a big fan of making full on sandwiches and, you know, getting yeah. lettuce and slicing tomato and the whole nine. Late at night. Well, I guess when you're hungry, you know, when hunger calls. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> they may not have had Snickers back then. No. Well, no, they must have. <laughs> yeah, they did. I think so. Oh. Snickers really satisfies. Oh, yeah. 100%. And you're not you when you're hungry. Did you notice when Alex was drinking a soda and it said cola on the side, but it had like a red cover on it, but it was a gold can? Yep, I did. It, it was definitely dressed so that you couldn't tell what it was. I mean, I remember like caffeine-free Diet Coke used to be like in the gold can, but was it in a gold can in 86? I don't know. I feel like that was before that. Yeah. What else would have been in a gold can? Wow. I was trying to figure out, like, what soda would have been in a gold can? Maybe it was a beer, and they were covering it up because it wasn't supposed to be drinking beer. <laughs> He's drinking a Miller Lite. <laughs> a Miller High Life, I think, is the gold can. <laughs> but he just covered it with red paper so his dad wouldn't know what he was drinking. <laughs> yeah, and it says cola, and his dad's all, oh, that's cool. Yeah, cola. Yeah, it says soda, Dad. It's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's the uncola. <laughs> Oat soda. <laughs> <laughs> Hops and soda. <laughs> Sha -la -la -la. Well, did you have a moral for this story after all of this episode is through? Uh, I do. And it's a pretty uh, heavy handed moral that uh, we were given numerous times. It really is uh, that there's more to life than money. It's all about your family and friends and finding your true happiness in them. It's good because everything he truly loves is in that house. Yeah, I don't want to be number one at work. I want to be number one here. I was waiting for when he said that line to be like, like this spatula, <laughs> this coffee mug, you know, everything I love is in this house. In this house. Oh, he's the best. The little kiss the cook sign here on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> well, we found out that there's that. no such thing as success if there's no success at home. That's pretty good, too. Yeah, I mean, he was just dropping them. I know, he was. It was deep. It was a deep ending there. Oh, yeah. I think, though, the real moral is Stephen sounded, you know, very wise about all this, but he stole all the morals that Elise learned a couple years ago anyway. So the moral is come up with your own moral, <laughs> Stephen. <laughs> right? <laughs> Learn the lesson from your wife. 
Yes, learn a lesson from others so you don't have to repeat their mistakes. Right. If she took meth and uh, had a drug problem, would you have to do the same thing or would you learn from her? <laughs> That's right. Or wait. Or speed. just remember that Alex already did speed. So, right. Yeah. It took you 22 <laughs> minutes to solve that problem. You better calm down. <laughs> oh, that's the best. Sha-la-la-la. Well, I think that brings us to the conclusion of the main coverage of this episode. Is there any other quick things you uh, wanted to cover? I do. So I have two tales from the apartment stories that I wanted to find out about. You had talked about that you had a bleeding out story. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is true. And the second one that I have a note on is the battle of the coffee table. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. I think I can cover both of these pretty quickly. The bleeding out story was a self-inflicted wound that I uh, may have incurred. I again, this is college, you know, post college. Sure. And I don't think I had health insurance, or if I did, it was something through my parents. But I don't even think I did at that point. When I got sick, like I went up to my parents' house, and there was like a clinic that my mom worked at the hospital, and she got me into the clinic for like real cheap. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but one way or another, you know, I was very uh, frugal with my doctor's visits. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so for whatever reason, I had got, I got a wart on my knee, which I don't know how that happened. And it absolutely drove me crazy yes. and it was gross. Yep. And, you know, I, I got like wart cream or whatever to try to like, you know, that stuff that like burns it off or whatever. Yes. And just. It started to work, but it wasn't working fast enough because basically this stuff, like, it would, like, kill the top layer of skin or, in this case, of, like, the wart, and then you'd just kind of scrape it off and then, like, do another layer of it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, until you got to, like, the core of it. Yeah. Right. Warts are a pain in the neck. It is, but, like, it doesn't really hurt because that part is basically dead already anyway, right? Yeah. You know, you do it, but it it takes a long time. And I sat there one day and I, as I was putting it on and I realized, like, it's all just dead under there anyway. I should just, like, dig it out now. Yeah. That's what, like, if you go to get it removed, I'm sure they probably just cut it out or something, right? No. <laughs> well, this is the logic that I used. Sure. And I had, like, a, I mean, this, I guess, I guess a warning that's a little gross here, um, as if it wasn't already. But um, I had a large pair of toenail clippers. That uh, I'm like, ah, I, I bet I could, I bet I could just like clip it out with this here. Oh yeah! And so I started digging in there and did pretty successfully dig it out, but apparently went a little too far. And I don't think it's like an artery on your knee, but there's definitely some larger blood vessels there <laughs> that I got down to. Oh my god! And I couldn't get my knee to stop bleeding and. I was like laying in the bathtub and it was like just pooling around me because I couldn't get it to stop bleeding. <laughs> I was holding, you know, bandages against it and like putting pressure on it. And I'm like, I don't think you could die from like bleeding out from your knee, but I should probably like make sure. So I called my mom, who's a nurse, and uh, explained the situation. And after she like freaked out at me for a little bit, she calmly explain like how to properly do like a pressure bandage uh-huh. and uh eventually was able to get it to stop bleeding but it was it was a lot <laughs> oh my gosh well i'm right there with you because i had one on my finger and so i started digging away at it with a uh, letter opener because that's what i had yeah. and yeah. <laughs> i was at work and we had those cans of uh compressed air if you uh-huh. turn them upside down and hit it it sends out the freeze spray yeah so i froze it because it was bleeding real bad. Well, when you freeze it, it stops the bleeding. So, and I just kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it until it stopped bleeding and stayed. And then everything died uh, around it and the wart never came back. So it was perfect. I might have a scar on my finger now, but you know, whatever. I'm not a hand model. I was never going to be a knee model. So I wasn't (laughs) worried about it. (laughs) Talk about a knee jerk reaction though. (laughs) Sounds like yours was a little more scientifically sound, though. My plan was just cut it out and see what happens, you know? Well, I just like to play with the uh, the upside-down freeze spray, too, so. <laughs> I said, chill. Oh, man. So, the other one was I had this coffee table, and it was a large coffee table, and I really liked doing puzzles, so I would, you know, I had it in the living room, and there's the TV, and I would frequently do puzzles on it, 
and some of the roommates expressed frustration that the coffee table like space was taken up with puzzles on there. And I'm like, it's my coffee table. Right. I want to do puzzles on it. And they're like, it's a public space. So, you know, you got to like, let us use the space. I'm like, fine, I'll just take my coffee table. And I, in a, maybe a little bit of a, you know, young adult tantrum, carried the coffee table into my bedroom and placed it on top of my bed, and it fit right around because I had like a little single mattress. It was a real big coffee table, and I was able to like fit the legs around the mattress and put it on top of my bed, and actually slept under the coffee table for a couple of nights and did a puzzle up on top of my bed just to prove a point. And eventually, the roommates are like, "Fine, like you proved your point. Like put it back in the living room. You can do puzzles." <laughs> but I got my way. <laughs> <laughs> and it was almost like your own little personal cave. <laughs> it was. It wasn't. It wasn't too bad, you know. <laughs> Could you imagine if that thing would have slipped off or something? Like if you would have rolled over and hit it, and then all of a sudden the coffee table went down and smashed you. It was. I mean, it was wood, but it wasn't like super heavy. It had rounded corners. I would have been fine. Well, yeah, but that would have woke <laughs> you up in the middle of the night. That's true. Well, That's true. The daytime, I guess, probably when you slept. Anyway, it just. That, you know, there's times at the time, I mean, you know, we had our arguments here and there, but it was a lot of fun. I just could never imagine ever not wanting to just live in a place with a bunch of roommates. And now looking back on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did I ever survive at that place? <laughs> You're like, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Yeah, it was it, it was quite an adventure. Well, the good news is your love of puzzles hasn't gone away either because you now have a puzzle table. That's right, a dedicated table. Janelle was kind enough to have one made just for me, so she heard my cries. And she only wants you to be able to uh, let her use it during holidays, apparently. So Yeah, that's really all we need. It's a great compromise. I think so. I think it's fair. Yeah. She always gets credit for coming up with a really good present, though, so I think she likes that Yeah, part. that was an incredible uh, present. Beautiful table. Yeah. I know you've posted uh, pictures of it before on the Mandarin Orange Show, so yes, check it out there. And let's not forget my friend Dan, who was the one that actually crafted the table. So I got to give him a shout out as well. Nice, because he did some good work there. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful table. All right, well, give us a teaser for the next next time, or even another story right now. All right, no a teaser because we're going to wrap it up here. But a teaser for another apartment story, if you remember it. I'll tell you about the time I came home. And there was uh, some muddy pants and shoes, like, laying out on the on the front, like, by the doormat. Mm-hmm. And I found out it wasn't mud. Oh, yikes. That's the worst kind of mud. Muddy pants story. I'll tell you that. Um, muddy pants. I'll tell you that one <laughs> another time. There you go. Yikes. And I also have a, a video game intervention story. Oh, no. Which, um, that one's pretty good, too. Oh, geez. I hope it wasn't an intervention for you. It was not. Oh. It was one that we had to do um, for a different roommate. Oh, okay. Gotcha, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I heard a comedian, uh, they were telling a joke, and they were like, you know, anytime I get invited over to a friend's house, I always do a drive-by first, and if it looks like there's too many cars, I keep going because I'm afraid there, there's going to be an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. That was pretty funny. That's pretty good. I don't remember where. Not a surprise though. party, an intervention. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hard pass. Sha la la la. Well, Phil, if somebody wanted to follow us on any of our social media platforms, where would they find us? Well, I'll tell you. First of all, of course, we've got a Facebook page. Alex B. Keaton is my friend on Facebook. We also have linked to that page our group for the friends of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. And uh, that is where I posted pictures of myself on TV. That's where Julia's stuff is posted and where Keith's will be posted. Yes. You should definitely join us there. Let's see. What else? Of course, you can always write to us at alexbkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. And you can also find us at alexbkeatonismyfriend.com. Nice. That's our website. Yeah. That's a lot of great information. People should definitely do that. They should. And Podchaser. I almost forgot Podchaser. Oh, Podchaser. That's right. So join us. Follow us. Write to us and let us know if you've ever had an experience where you had to call your mom for medical advice. (laughs) (laughs) And if you unpack your bags at a hotel room. That's right. That's the main thing, actually, that we want to know. Yeah. Do you pack unpack your bags at a hotel room? That's the assignment for this week. And if you also want to tell us, too, about uh, your home surgeries. I I love that stuff. So (laughs) I'm in. I I learned my lesson that day. But do you get nauseous like when the kids are sick or whatnot? 
Are you that guy? No, not really. When our kids were born, that was pretty intense, but I didn't, I wound up, I don't know, I pictured that I might, like, pass out or something, and I didn't do anything like that. Right. But, you know, it's not like I revel in it, but I'm also okay with it. Yeah. What about, uh, like, when they puke now? Does that make you, like, you know, have that? Ooh, that's hard. Yeah. I mean, I've never actually, like, sympathetically barfed, but I definitely feel like it's the kind of thing that I could do. I don't enjoy dealing with that now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Heidi is a sympathetic puker. So when the kids do it, she's like, you got to go because, you know, that <laughs> becomes my job. That stuff doesn't bother me. Blood, guts, none of it. I'm fine. I, I'm somewhere in between there probably. All right. I would say. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's always a good place to be. Somewhere in the middle. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just not in the middle of the 1986 Iran-Contra affair. No. Unless you're Ferris Bueller. Right. <laughs> Life moves pretty fast, you know, Keith. I, I've heard that, actually. And I like the fact that yeah. he's gone back and kind of reprised that role a couple times for various commercials or projects or whatnot. Why not? It's iconic. It is. It is. Even when Deadpool does it, you know that's iconic then. And you know what else? This episode moved pretty fast. It did. Because we're at the end of it. I had a great time. Thank you very much, Phil, as always. And thank you, listeners. Yes, thank you, listeners, for being here. I had a great time as well. Thank you, Keith, for being a fantastic, extra special co-host. Oh, thank you. And that's going to do it. So uh, join us next week for another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton is my friend. What would we do, baby, without us? What would we do, baby? Without us And there ain't no nothing We can love each other through And what would we do, baby Without us